0: My name is Abigail Franks and I'm your host for today's show, while our other host Marisha Malcolm is doing some filming work in Miami. Numerous studies have shown that mindfulness and meditation are incredibly beneficial to our health and well-being, and many are drawing connections to the practice's ability to increase engagement and avoid burnout. However, in an age of nonstop notifications and divided attention, coupled with the stressors of climate change, mindfulness may feel like a privilege only a few can achieve or access. Guest speakers, Nelly Bisram and Piero Fauci from the organization AHAM Education, dispel that myth and more in this episode, urging all of us to understand that when we practice mindfulness, we aren't just practicing for ourselves, we are practicing for the world. Climate justice, y'all, is real, it's here, and it's about time we listen to folks like Nellie Bizram and Piero Fauci. All right, let's get started with the show. This is Climate Justice, Y'all, a podcast dedicated to lifting up and centering the climate and environmental justice movement in the South. Despite the South being the most biodiverse, diverse and one of the largest economic engines in the world, we are underfunded and often barred from the decision-making table. Because of that, we decided to pull up a chair and amplify the stories of communities in the South that are hit the hardest by the climate crisis.
1: We're using good old-fashioned storytelling to shine a spotlight on these Southern leaders from all walks of life, putting in their blood, sweat, and tears to transform the region. The usage of y'all in the title is on purpose. We are honoring our Southern heritage of creativity, resilience, and ingenuity. Climate justice, y'all. It's real, it's here, and it's about time. Y'all hear what we have to say.
0: Good morning or good afternoon, whenever y'all are listening to this. Today, we have an episode that I think y'all are going to really love, um, especially, well, you know, I love it. (laughs) And hopefully y'all will love it too, because we're going to be talking about um, healing yourself to heal the planet and why it's important to take care of ourselves in this fight. Um, But first, let's get our fantastic guests introduced and get them to tell you about themselves. So, Nellie, if you could start first, please introduce yourself, your organization, and where you're calling in from.
1: Hello, everyone. Yes, so my name is Nellie Bizram. I am um, here in the the land of the Taino, the Tequesta, the Seminole, and what we currently know as South Florida uh, and Sunrise, Florida, near the Everglades. Um, and I am the founder and CEO of Aham Education. I'm also the lead representative to the United Nations. Um, and we are a member of the Southeast Climate and Energy Network. Um, I'm also a mindfulness student and teacher. I've been practicing for many years. for so most of my life and teaching for the last, I don't know, 15 to 20 years. Um, and Aham Education is the—it's uh, an um, NGO. I like to call it a social investment initiative uh, with a five hundred one c three status here in the United States. Where we work transnationally in the U S. Um, in Latin America and the Caribbean, um, and our mission is to touch a million people by twenty twenty five with tools that. Empower, especially young people and underserved communities. Um, empower them with tools that cultivate presence, positivity, and peace. Those are the three pillars of our work. And so um, we see the work of climate justice, of healing, the, uh, of the healing of the planet and healing people, as intertwined. And so that's one of the kind of the ways in which we we bring. Um, presence, positivity and peace to individuals communities and the world
0: fantastic thank you so much Nelly and Piero please introduce yourself what's your where you seem to wear many hats alongside Nelly and uh, where you're calling in from
2: well uh hello everybody my name is Piero fauci and I'm calling from South Florida just like Nelly I am, uh, we are neighbors, if you will, living in cities not too far away from one another and we do programs together. So I am, I like to introduce myself uh, by my main activity, which is I am a mindfulness meditation and mindful living teacher. So I teach mindfulness techniques and several programs, several, one of, some of them very well-established programs, such as the mindfulness-based stress reduction program with uh, a program that was created more than 40 years ago and uh, other well-established programs, mindfulness for teenagers, uh, teaching relaxation techniques for populations with trauma through the model of the mind body skills groups uh, that uh, both Nelly and I teach uh, uh, sometimes together. So uh, I am also uh, board member of AHAM education. And uh, one of the things that uh, we, I'm especially proud of is uh, the program that we teach called Be Nature. Uh, our idea is that we're not a part of nature. We are not in nature, but we are nature. Something that we try to infuse in the participants of this, sometimes a workshop, sometimes a retreat. And I am, I'm also an author. I like to write and um, my latest uh, my latest book is actually a three book series called um, Mindfulness and uh, for a Better Mind, Life and World. And in it I ex, we talk about how mindfulness can help individually, somebody, but how can mindfulness is something that is necessary for the healing of the world so i'm very happy to be here abigail thank you for having me
0: yeah thank you all so much and um fantastic backgrounds too if anybody's an expert it's these two absolutely um so i know this may seem like a super broad question but for those who don't know what does mindfulness mean what does it mean to you and why is it important um especially for our communities because I feel like a lot of folks, especially if we're talking about the Southern region in general, mm-hmm. um, a lot of folks endure so much stress and we're enduring amplified stressors and like different exacerbators or stressors with climate change. So what is it, What sorry, what does mindfulness mean to you is what oh. all I'm trying to say. We'll start with Pierre, and I'll hand it back to Nellie. Okay. free to jump in whenever y'all are ready.
2: So so mindfulness there's a operational definition of mindfulness mindfulness is the awareness that arises from paying attention on purpose to whatever is happening in the present moment with an open-hearted curiosity without adding commentary without rushing to judge just observing life so I, when I say that I teach mindfulness meditation and mindful living, I think I think it's a more precise way of of explaining what mindfulness is. Mindfulness meditation is the practice, and mindful living is the game. If you create uh, a simile with sports, right? So you practice a series of techniques. So meditation is one of the techniques in mindfulness that we practice but we can practice mindfulness walking or mindful walking mindful eating uh, mindful movement mindful sitting meditation so there are many techniques that you practice but what for well for you to live more mindfully for you to bring attention to your life for you to be in the present moment I like the quote that says, uh, whatever happened in the past, when it happened, it actually happened in the present moment. And whatever will happen in the future, when it happens, it will also happen in the present moment. So it's super important for us to be present because it is in the present moment, in the here now that we make decisions that are going to affect The quality of our lives and are going to affect uh, the future of the planet so we need to be mindful of our uh, choices of the choices that we make so this is something that we teach we teach mindfulness meditation and mindful living and our emphasis is uh, you know to bring mindfulness to activists and to bring activism to meditators because sometimes meditators are not engaged and we want to to bring this activism to them and knowing that uh, as you so well know abigail the how easy it is to to burn out in in the middle of activism we try to bring meditation as a way of uh, creating uh, resilience if you will for them to carry on as we usually say it's not a sprint it is a marathon so i'll pass it on to nelly
1: so uh, everything that piero said thank you piero was uh, so well articulated especially this notion of you know we're playing this game right and we need to practice in order to play the game so so yeah so you know what mindfulness means to me really is survival, I remember being um, 11 or 12 years old, the first time that I experienced. Um, Something that um, I give credit to the School of Philosophy and Meditation, which is a a global school that I attended as a kid growing up, in addition to regular school, where I simply learned how to live in the present moment. And the first practice that I did, they call the exercise, was a practice of being present through the senses, um, you know, just paying attention, to what is happening right now. So even right now, for for those that are listening, you can practice mindfulness by simply listening to the sound of the voices on the podcast, by noticing the emotions that are, or, or the thoughts that are coming up for you as you listen. And so the interplay of experience in the present, noticing what's happening through our senses, noticing what's happening um in our in our minds and heart states in other words the full di- the full dimension of human experience if i go back to my experience growing up i discovered at a young age through that experience of living in the present whether i was meditating or whether i was washing dishes or whether i was um, sweeping the floor that we could practice all of the time as long as we remembered, but then we could also train ourselves to practice, right? And so there's this way of explaining mindfulness, which is, which I experience, which is what does the state of it feel like, right? There's a state when we practice of expansion. There's this, whether we're, you know, there are different ways, you know, if we're going to get technical of being aware. We can be aware in a very focused way. We can be aware in a very expansive way. But most of the times when we come into the present, the quality of the awareness that we experience informs the way that we see the world. And when I was growing up, many times I had this experience in practice that I was not separate from the person next to me. And I was not separate from anything. I wasn't separate from the tree or from the earth. And so I discovered that through my mindfulness practice. And I feel a sense of of deep gratitude because I think that the work that we're doing today in large part is informed by that view, um, a view that is not something that someone told me or something that was, you know, um, even as it was being taught, it was not something that I, I was asked to believe. It didn't interfere with any belief systems that was in my home at the time, but it was simply a way of being in relationship to myself, to other humans and to the planet that allowed me to then make choices about how I wanted, to be and who I want it to be. And obviously I'm still learning and growing as an individual, but why is this important? It's important because this is what we're we're trying, what we are doing is we are creating an environment, a container, a space for humans to experience themselves in nature and as nature, because we know from our own practice that once we enter our experience with that view once we allow ourselves to let go of the past and the future not only are we intentionally training our brains right what we call a trait level of mindfulness and neuroscience we're not just training ourselves to be present we're also allowing ourselves to our bodies and our hearts and our minds to, to regulate to become regulated. And so this is why when we talk about mindfulness, it's not just about healing the person. Um, sorry, it's not just about, you know, this idea that, okay, we want, we want a more kind of holistic approach. It's because once we ourselves as activists um, begin to enter that the practice in this way, we're not just taking better care of ourselves. We approach activism in a completely different way. We approach activism um, from a, what we call a one awareness approach, as opposed to us versus them, as opposed to me taking care of something else. When I take care of the planet, I'm actually taking care of myself. Um, and you know what Piero said about bringing activism to meditators, that last point, is super important there because we live in a very individualistic culture. And so when we teach anything, even a practice that's not intended to be individualistic, it takes on an individualistic feel and lens. So even the practice of mindfulness, because it's about owning the way that we show up, the way that we relate to the world, it can be interpreted and practiced that way. And so what we are um, doing through the Be Nature program and really through all of the mindfulness we teach is to, it's, it's not even about social mindfulness. There's no separation period. So when we are practicing, it's not just about us. We're, as Piero says often, when we practice, we're practicing for the whole world. So we use, um, and I know we're going to get more into this. But I'll just add is that we are, we're bridging our experience as facilitators with nature as a facilitator, nature as the protagonist, nature as the the ultimate sort of vehicle for teaching mindfulness, because it's natural and it's there. And so we're really as facilitators, you know, in our own imperfect way and through a education, bringing this both into at the very grassroots level, offering spaces where people can have these experiences, but then also taking it at a, to, to an advocacy level through Sen and through um, COP and through the UN. So <laughs> it seems like a simple practice and it is, but it's very transformative. And, and I think that's why we're so um, passionate about this work.
0: Wow. Wow. I am just like taking notes as y'all are writing just full disclosure (laughs) because I'm writing down these quotes because they're so good. I mean, I really, you know, full disclosure, I've been in therapy for over a decade and I've been trying to practice mindful, well, not trying to practice mindfulness. I've been practicing mindfulness and learning. (laughs) Um, Do or do not, there is no try. But, uh, you know, I love that y'all brought up that this was that it's holistic. Um I also love that y'all both brought up how mindfulness and being in the present and really focusing on like how do I put this? When you are truly in the present, you cannot ignore what's going around you. Mm. And I I really I'm thankful for y'all bringing that up and I'm thankful that y'all brought up how important it is for especially activists to continue to regulate themselves, because, oh my God, this work can be so emotional and it can be, and honestly, depending on where you can are, where you are and where you're doing the work and how you're doing it, it, you can be traumatized or exposed to trauma. And so y'all kind of mentioned it already, but I would love for both of y'all to kind of go into this further. Um, Since the title of this episode is called Heal Yourself to Heal the Planet, um, how can practicing mindfulness help us heal our communities and our planet? Y'all both mentioned about regulation. I would love to talk more about that. Um, But yeah, we'll start with, my gut says Nelly, but I saw Piero go off mute. So.
2: Am I, can you hear me or no?
0: No, we cannot hear you okay perfect then we'll go to nelly and the, or sorry we'll go yeah nelly and then piero um so the question is how can how yeah, can how can uh, practicing mindfulness um he, help us heal our communities and our planet yeah
1: so i mean so you know if we look at it from a neuroscience perspective right um there is There's a lot of of research on what mindfulness does um, whether you're an activist or in any role, right? It's just the power of the practice to as a tool for awareness, self-regulation, all of the components of of emotional intelligence which also have to do with um, in addition to awareness and regulation have to do with relational skills, empathy and compassion. So, you know, um, I'd like to answer this just through a story of a, a group that I worked with recently in the last, within the last year, um, we worked with, um, with gasp actually, and they, their entire team went through a training over multiple weeks where they integrated mindfulness, based practice in their, personal lives and into their organizational practices. So GASP is um, an organization in in Alabama that's focused on stopping pollution. And so what the staff kind of revealed, uh, the common thread were two things. One was that even though they knew that self-care was important, they were not making the time for it. So there was something, there is something about going through a process that's highly experiential where we learn these practices, right? So it's not enough to know what we're saying is true. What's important is for individuals to allow themselves to go through a process where they actively learn with the guidance of an instructor. Um, um, I love apps, but I don't think apps help I think apps can help to sustain practice, but not necessarily to cultivate a practice if you haven't done it before. Um, and so they taught, so most of the the, the the staff said that they took better, At by the end of the training, they found that they were taking better care of themselves, that eco grief and climate anxiety, which is very real, especially for the young activists. And two of them were young black female activists living in communities that were not engaged in in climate activism even though they were the most affected by it Um, and so they found that dealing with both the grief and the anxiety around knowing what was happening in their community and having the ability to communicate because one of the things we teach in our program is mindful and nonviolent communication and so they Um, As a team, actually used the formula that they they got in the training of how to apply mindful nonviolent communication in the way that they were talking to peers in their network and also in the way that they were advocating to stop pollution in their state um the director even shared that you know and 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 he and there's more on this in a documentary that we're coming out with where they gave these testimonials about how it helped him as a leader to communicate with his staff because there's a lot of internal issues that come up even within the movement so i mean these are just some concrete feedback that we've received from activists um So it's not just about self-care. It's also about how are we advocating? It's also about how are we building bridges in the way that we communicate? And are we successful? Are we solving a problem today to create another problem tomorrow? Um, The other thing that I'll say, and then I'll let Piero share is um, his, his views, is that this notion of so it's heal yourself to heal the planet, and it's also heal the planet to heal yourself, right? So we we have also found through some of our community engagement that when we invite people into natural healing spaces, um, who may, when I say people, people in the community, right? So we have a BIPOC community of practice that meet on the beach to meditate. And what we've found is because they've built a more of an affinity with nature. When we started doing what we call the mindful beach cleanups, they started to become more and more aware of how taking care of the planet was part of their healing journey. So these are people who were not engaged in activism at all for the most part. And so what we quickly learned how to do is to leverage that opportunity and to provide um, points of access where they could learn about you know, zero waste where they could learn about soil, where they could learn about any legislation on rights to clean water that was happening. And so we've only just begun to kind of scratch the surface of how we connect those who become engaged in that journey of taking care of nature with real uh, policy level um, activism. But we found that this is a way to engage folks that ordinarily would not be engaged in in climate activism. So there's like two different angles here, you know, of how kind of we have been finding this, and obviously we continue to grow and meet others who are doing similar work and and learn from them, um, you know, in our advocacy work.
0: Wow, um, that just that hit the nail on the head. Um. I'm speechless. Pierre, would you like to jump in?
2: Yes. uh,
0: So the question is, uh, how can you present everything
2: that you did? Oh, sorry. No, uh, I just want to make sure that uh, you can hear me and you can hear me well.
0: You sound perfect.
2: Good. So I want to thank Nellie for everything that she she has presented, uh, the work that we do. What comes to mind are a few things. Why practice mindfulness, right? Well, sometimes we think of this on a selfish way, but when we are practicing mindfulness, we're not doing this for ourselves alone. Whenever I end uh, our mindfulness practices, I usually say we bring our hands together to express gratitude to each other for showing up, for being here, and for practicing. And we bring to mind once again that our practice is not selfish. We do not practice for ourselves alone because our practice benefits the entire world. So we bow to each other in gratitude with a thankful heart saying thank you for your practice. So the idea is that when we practice, although it has a personal benefit, it, it's benefiting the world, right? And so, why the, why the practice is important? Well, the practice uh, transforms us; is transformative. Uh, I like what uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese Buddhist monk and uh, you know a teacher of mindfulness, uh, said or wrote, and this is a quote. We cannot change the world if we're not able to change our way of thinking. Without collective change in our way of thinking, we cannot expect the world to change. Collective awakening is made of individual awakenings. If you are an activist and you're eager to do something, you should begin with yourself and your own mind. So here is very clear. He's saying, okay, uh, there's a way of, of participating in this activism. I'll give a personal uh, story. I live very close to the beach and pretty much every week, a few times a week, I go to the beach early in the morning when the sun is coming up and I do a beach cleanup. Uh, I did this this morning, for instance. Mondays are days where the harvest of trash is bigger because people come to the, during the weekend and leave stuff behind. I'm very concerned with uh, plastic pollution uh, everywhere, especially plastic pollution in the ocean. So I go every morning or many mornings during the week, as I said, and I do the beach cleanup in the beginning, uh, it wasn't mindful, let me put it this way. I was very uh, irated that uh, people were so inconsiderate and uh, so lazy that they wouldn't take the trash with them. And this is not uh, a remote beach. There are trash beans at walking distance. And it's so easy, but people would leave and they usually leave bottles and cans and carton and plastic, a lot of plastic. But uh, then I realized that I could uh, change my mindset and I could approach that practice of beach cleanup in a mindful way. So instead of judging people, instead of criticizing people, instead of being uh, upset, by carelessness I was just doing it and this showed to me that I was not wasting energy that I was able to do the work the same work that I did before when I was upset I was doing the work without losing energy uh, because I was judging criticizing people so this is an example when you bring mindfulness to what you do, when you bring mindfulness to the present moment, you can save energy and perhaps you can be more effective. Uh, and uh, and uh, I think that uh, uh, Nelly said, well, I, there's different levels of awareness. I like, to, uh, I like to talk about six words that start with the letter A, that I think are important in this practice of mindfulness. The first one is awake. So most of the time we're not awake. We're sleepwalking through life. So mindfulness is an invitation for us to wake up. Am I awake? Am I really here now? Or am I lost in the past or visiting the future? The second one is alert. An alert for me is a kind of expansive awareness. I mean, I am alert of what's happening in my environment. I am alert to what's happening in the world, to the planet. Then the third A is attentive. And attentive has to do with focusing my attention and shying away or staying away from distractions so i'm here i'm talking to you i know that i'm talking to an audience right now so i'm present i am attentive so if i am awake alert and attentive then i am aware and what happens is that when i am aware i become appreciative so there's a new component that shows up i start to appreciate the beauty that surrounds me And, you know, I go around and I see magic. I call the three M's, the magic, the mystery, and the miracles all around me. So uh, you develop a love for the planet. It's like, I feel the breeze. I feel the warmth of the sun, sense the leaves. It's magical. So if you are awake, alert, attentive, aware, and appreciative, then you are fully alive. And you are br- able to bring life. So you're able to preserve life. So this is an example of how mindfulness can inform activism and how mindfulness can help activists.
0: Thank you so much. Um, that sounds like the medicine that I think a lot of folks if not everyone on our planet needs um how do we how can people incorporate mindfulness into their life between a lot of other like i feel like a lot of folks feel like they don't have the time or the energy to inc- incorporate mindfulness especially since their mind is so spread out um how can people incorporate it into their lives from As small, like the littlest things to like big things, Um, starting with Piero and then moving to Nelly. How How do we incorporate those things?
2: You know, it's not difficult to be mindful. What is difficult is to remember to be mindful. So to be mindful is very easy. To be mindful is to be present, to know what's going on, to know what you're feeling, your physical sensations, your thoughts, your emotions, and the practice is a practice that allows you to be more aware of what I'm feeling right now. Where are these thoughts coming from? Why am I thinking about the bu- bully in eighth grade? This happened three decades ago. I don't have to think about this anymore. So you catch yourself, You catch. you understand thoughts, uh, the nature of thoughts. And you don't give them a lot of uh, validity. They, they say, well, this we're not trying to control our thoughts. What we're doing is trying to prevent our thoughts from controlling us. And this is what you do with mindfulness. So mindful living is being present, being uh, as much as possible uh, uh, aware of what's going on in the present moment. So you can practice mindfulness all the time. I mean, uh, I'm taking a shower. Uh, am I aware that I'm taking a shower, you know, or you take a shower in the morning and you get to the end of the day. And then you ask yourself, did I shower today or not? And why do you ask this question it's because you were not there. Your mind was elsewhere. You were thinking about your to-do list. You're having uh, a mental conversation with your boss. Uh, you're not even aware of how much water you are using in the shower or how mindful you are of, uh, you know, the running water, for instance. And there's so many levels of awareness that you can bring. Um, a lot of the work that we do with AHAM education uh, has to do with water, uh, healing in water. We, we have several, uh, I would say, sister organizations that are working with communities uh, to bring mindfulness to them in the water and the healing in the water as well. So I'm I'm just giving an example that uh, yes, mindfulness meditation is the practice, and uh, I don't know a better way to uh, to bring mindfulness to your life than doing the the original mindfulness-based stress reduction program. It's a program of eight weeks that you meet once a week for two and a half hours and you go home and you practice uh, 45 minutes every day during this period of eight weeks. So that's the, the best possible introduction that I know. And I don't hesitate to say this to mindfulness, to establish a mindfulness meditation practice. And then... Uh, it's it's up to you. It's kind of meditate 20 minutes a day or 45 minutes a day or one hour a day. But you're, we're going to falter. We're not going to be able to keep the discipline. It happens to all of us. Imagine a, fitness, uh, a physical fitness exercise or a diet. Uh, and uh, same thing with the meditation regime. Oh, I'm going to start and I'm going to stick to it because I know it's good. And then, you know, life happens. But we have a saying that is so so, uh, mindful in a way because it doesn't matter if you didn't meditate this uh, today. It didn't matter if you didn't meditate this week or this month or this year or for the last five years. Just start over. Just begin again because everything that matters is the present moment. So, you can always start over. You can always begin again. So I think that these are ways, things that you learn as you, uh, as you uh, practice. But uh, I, I like to say practice is important, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is the performance during the game. The game of life is how you show up in life. Are you showing up as a mindful person, as a patient, kind, generous person, as a person that really is concerned about the future of life on this planet. So this is what's important in the end. This is the practice and the game.
0: And it sounds like to me, mindfulness is almost a way of living and the way you kind of move through life as well. Nelly, I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, How can you incorporate it into daily things? So, um, you know, I think Piero really laid that out beautifully
1: because, well, I'll go back to, to my experience and to the neuroscience, right? So, um, you know, I wish I could say, you know, I wish I could give someone, you know, a shortcut, but there are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts because. You know, we live in a world that did not, that is, um, by design currently, um, causing us to live at a pace that isn't sustainable. The mainstream society, the the just the just the way in which we use the resources we have, the way in which we're expected to work, the advancement of technology, all of it is really if we don't live mindfully, it's pulling us towards decline and despair. So we don't have a choice. I This is the way I see it. We really don't have a choice if we want to live a joyful life and if we want to be able to have resources for the next generation. So I think the way to integrate mindfulness begins with a decision How deep is your desire to live a joyful life? How deep is your desire to leave behind a world that's better for future generations, for your children? Not even future generations, it's happening now. So it begins with a decision and a desire. So once you make a decision, I think what Piero shared is is so relevant. Then you, you make a decision, but you hold your goals lightly, right? It's you know, one of the attitudes of of mindfulness is non-judgment. So this, this tendency that we have to criticize ourselves, the way that we talk to ourselves becomes hugely important just as a practice of even cultivating a mindfulness practice and not being able to do it perfectly. So it, it's not about perfection. It's not about, um, you know, having to get it right all the time. Um, but I do think a decision, a decision that this is how I want and choose to be in the world and that I will do whatever it takes to cultivate a practice on a more concrete level. I don't know of any other way to cultivate mindful living without having a practice. It's just not possible. So. Unless you're like the Dalai Lama or or or, uh, or one of the sages or realized of the many realized souls that have walked the earth, we all have to find a way to practice. Now that can look different for different people, but what whatever the practice is, wherever if if you learn it through the mindfulness-based stress reduction program, and as a teacher of that program, I do agree that it's it's one of the best ways to learn mindfulness and to cultivate a practice. It requires commitment, so. But there are other ways, right? And so once you've made the decision, then set aside the time every day when you wake up before you go to bed, you decide when that is, but without sitting in silence. Um, And we do practice walking meditation. We do many practices in nature you know, even going outside and feeling your feet in the grass, whatever it is. um, For me, the ingredients have to be stillness, silence, where there's no, there's nothing external that's getting in the way of being with what's happening in the present moment. There must be some time set aside on a regular or daily basis where we're coming to terms with that. Because that is the foundation for remembering. Pero talks about it's not difficult to practice, difficult to remember. So the neuroscience validates this, that that when people cultivate a routine, a habit, right? And this is true for physical exercise. When we build that muscle, we change the default patterns in our brain. We remember more and we practice more voluntarily. And that's what supports mindful living because when I'm washing the dishes, when I'm in the store, um, I use this example a lot, if I'm in the mall, I get caught up in the fashion. I get caught up in the, in the egoistic desires to have things. And then I wake up, Mm. I wake up because I'm practicing. I wake up and I I realize, well, I don't need another coat. I have a coat already, or I need a coat, but let me look at the label. What is it made of? Is it gonna go into a landfill or is it something that's gonna be able to biodegrade? Who am I supporting when I buy this? So my you know mindfulness is very, very real in daily life in the choices we make about our self-care, but also the choices we make about the planet, the choices about what Who is affected in the chain of events that bring food on my plate when we practice mindful eating? But the foundation, going back to folks who are listening, you have to make a decision that this is who you want to be. And then you need to figure out how am I going to practice every day? And that's between you and however you learn that practice, whether it's five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, 40 minutes whatever the time is that you practice regularly because that is going to lay the foundation for your brain and your body to wake up more frequently in daily life and and you will see the change i mean piero and i have experienced this in our lives if you talk to anybody that have been through this journey they will tell you even when you feel like you've fallen off the horse for a long period of time The fact that you made a conscious decision and you planted that seed, you will always come back to the practice, even when you Mm falter. So for me, that's hugely important to be very intentional and to not be like, oh, I'm going to integrate this into my self-care. It cannot be haphazard. It has to be very intentional, a very intentional decision that we make about who we are and who we want to be for the
2: world. Let me add something, uh, if if I may. It's not one more thing. To meditation, mindfulness, meditation is, or the practice, is not one more thing to include in your to-do list, and it should not be uh, seen this way, because mindfulness is really a way of being, a way of being in the world. So you are living mindfully. Uh, you are showing up differently. So there are some elements that are important for the practice. Uh, I think that five elements uh, well, that I think are important. One is silence. Uh, we live in a noisy world. And if you think about it, we are so distracted. There are so many things trying to capture our attention. And we can talk about the attention span, how diminute it is. Uh, but, so the first thing is silence. Then we need to slow down and and come to some sort of stillness. Uh, it's very difficult sometimes because uh, we want to be moving, we, uh, we want to do more, have more and be more all the time. And so to be still, it's almost like we feel guilty. What I'm doing here, doing nothing, I should be doing something. Then there is an, a component of solitude um, uh, to be alone, right? Uh, Blaise Pascal, the 17th uh, center philo- uh, century philosopher, he has this beautiful quote. He said, All humanity's problems stem from the inability of man to sit quietly in a room alone. So imagine if we were able <laughs> to sit quietly, all of us, in a room alone, uh, perhaps we would not be uh, creating this uh, madhouse that we are creating, right? And then the other uh, element is simplicity. Mindfulness itself is, or mindfulness practice, is very simple. There's nothing complicated about uh, uh, sitting, being there and observing. So I think that silence, slowness, stillness, solitude, and simplicity can lead to some fruits like an expansion. You can experience serenity. You grow in selflessness, meaning that you don't, you're not so much self-centered and you become other centered and you kind of surrender to the callings of the world. And you become of service to others. So that's the beauty of mindfulness leading to activism. Naturally, it's almost natural. I mean, you you experience that expansion. You experience that serenity. You experience that uh, uh, selflessness. As I say, you surrender to what's calling you. And then you become of service to others. So I just wanted to add that. Thank you Thank so you. much.
0: <clears throat> I think this accurate I think this actually takes us to our last point very well, um, which is what get you know, with all this being overwhelming, with how easy it is to get torn in so many different directions. Um, and with folks having mental health, I think people more and more folks are realizing that um their mental health is being affected by, you know, everything that's going on, but, and it can be a lot. So I just want to close off this episode with asking y'all what gives you hope and, or what are any final thoughts y'all have for our listeners today? And either one of y'all can just jump in.
2: I, I can go, I can go and say that, um, uh... We need a big change in the ways that we have been living uh, in order to uh, save life on the planet. The planet will go on without us, right? But uh, we cannot presume that uh, the human species will go on. Uh, We are seeing what's happening and many people are oblivious to the magnitude of the tragedy that is unfolding right now. But the big change that needs to, to happen, in my opinion, is the way that we uh, live. Uh, We are obsessed with uh, consumerism and growth. So if you think about how we measure the success of a country is by the growth of the GDP. And what is the growth of GDP? More production, more consumption. If you think about success in the personal level, how is it measured? Oh, it's the one who consumes the most, who has um, accumulates more, who has more toys, and, and probably the one who generates more waste also than anybody else. And what is the... The, the 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 measure of success it cannot be growth you know anymore it has to be a way of sh- being in this world and creating the least waste uh consuming probably less than we are doing so when I was born uh, 70 years ago in 1953 there were 2.5 billion humans in the world during my lifetime i have seen the population of the world more than triple so from 2.5 billion now we are at 8 billion people in the world and we're putting an enormous pressure on the resources of this planet everything uh, from land to water to deforestation. I'm not going to go through all this, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. So I think that one of the things that needs to change is really a change of paradigm. We need to live differently. We need to change the way that we have been living. Uh, We are too obsessed with comfort. We're too obsessed with uh, doing more, having more, and even being more. So our existence on earth is very violent, and we need to probably uh, pause for a long while and meditate and figure out how we are going to continue moving forward.
0: Thank you. I agree with that. (laughs) Okay, I agree with that. Nelly? Yeah, I love everything that Piero said.
1: You know, and it reminds me, um, so we, we recently, Aham Education, we led a delegation and Piero was, uh, was there, he was there virtually, we led a delegation to the U- UN Water Conference. Several of the SEND members attended, um, our sister organizations that Piero mentioned were there, um, from Diversity and Aquatics, um, Seven Directions. Um, and, and some of our other partners. And the, the event that we held was entitled Creating a, a New Paradigm for Resiliency and, and um, you know, related to water justice and healing. And some of what Piero spoke about, you know, what was really interesting is that the, in, the indigenous traditions, which every continent on the planet has an indigenous um, tradition that's still somewhat alive. Um, I'm of East Indian descent. And when I think back, you know, on my ancestors and even um, my parents' generation, um, my generation is the first that we don't have our hands in the dirt every day. Um, and so, and that was a conscious shift that happened in my generation. And when I think about it, My parents and my grandparents were pressured for us to unlearn their ways and to learn the ways of a Western colonial, post-colonial society. So I think part of the paradigm shift has to do with not lingering on, but owning up to how we got ourselves here. What is it in the dominant Western and now global culture that causes us to focus on, on unbridled growth that only causes us more harm. And to recognize that the issue of climate, the issue of the planet is connected to the ways in which you know we've lost some of our heritage, the ways in which we continue to, um, to be unjust to people who are not like us, um, the ways in which we separate and divide. And so how, and so this all kind of comes full circle with mindfulness, because in, in mindfulness practice, one of the, the, uh, there's, there's a meditation and sort of the, the actual experience of being in the present. And then there's something that we practice called inquiry or mindful inquiry. And mindful inquiry is about investigating the me, the mind, the me, my, and mine part of it is investigating when we notice that whatever experience we're having there's this tendency to to crave or to attach or to um where the ego becomes activated and to just notice that because the things that we attach ourselves to the labels the desires to have things as piero was saying the desire to um to do more have more and be more comes from this grip that the ego or that are the way in which we, we cling our you know two different people or things in the world it comes from not being conscious and present and so when we practice mindfulness at the very minimum we become and I'm using Piero's words here in his five A's um you know, we become awake and alert to the me, my, and mine. So I think this paradigm shift is about really, it goes back to, you know, um, investigating why is it that we want to consume so much? Why is it that we're so unhappy with what we have? Why do we need? Why is there so much more? Why is there so much greed in the world? And it's because people are disconnected from who they really are. And so I think that's something really powerful. It's, it's, a, it's not a fast track, it's probably a slower track to that solution. But I think mindfulness and contemplative practice offers that. Um, I would even venture to say some of the faith-based activism that's happening is kind of championing this, this mindset and heartset. Um, And so I have hope because people like Piero and I and many, many others are focused in this way. I was just at the high-level political forum at the United Nations in New York, and I was so, so happy and felt so hopeful to be part of a group that are from both faith-based and non-faith-based and different entities that uh, have decided to to write a paper and to present a paper to the the governments and the different UN agencies on on the way in which we're engaging with this crisis, um, both the mental health crisis and the planet crisis. And and so the the consensus is to do this work from a place of wholeness, love, and compassion, as opposed to fight, flight, fear. Um, and, and division. Um, and so, you know, that gives me hope when I find that there are other people silently, they're not in the headlines, they're not on stage all the time, but I believe that there is a, a, I have a sense maybe because I'm in this bubble that there is a silent revolution happening where people are waking up to themselves because they have no choice the the way that things are is not sustainable. And some come to it by force and some come to it because they make a decision. Um, so that makes me hopeful. The other thing at that same event, I had kind of, and even before this, I had this, you know, um, sense of, you know, um, well, it wasn't an epiphany, but I, I, I connected more deeply to the importance of youth leadership and voice, which has always been important to ham education, but it suddenly dawned on me that, you know, as I was uh, mostly socializing with people in their 20s and early 30s, that they know how to solve this problem. And we need to stop just giving them, um, you know, a voice as a form of tokenism. You know we really need to let them drive this change and i was you know i felt so rejuvenated being around them um they are very practical this new generation um and i really think that i'm, I'm hopeful because they are not taking no for an answer and they are they are taking the future in their own hands so um you know we are more and more working to empower young people. We're training them to be leaders and we're training them to do what we do so that they're equipped. They're equipped to do this work in a way that's wholesome and sustainable for themselves. Um, The last thing I'll say is that, you know, um, the late Sir Ken Robinson, who is an education activist, he he said one time and I was listening to a talk that he did and he said that you know we're not really here to save the planet we're here to save ourselves because the planet will just shake us off like a bad rash and continue rejuvenating right I remember when the pandemic first started the first the first few months we heard stories of clear skies that were once cloudy and overcast every day with smog and smoke we heard that animals were emerging and walking in the streets. We saw images of nature rejuvenating itself. And it made me think: is anybody studying the power of nature to rejuvenate itself? Where is that information? So that made me hopeful because I I really believe that in the abundance and in the regenerative power of nature, in spite of us. And so even if it means that we destroy ourselves, I think that, you know, nature will thrive and survive and will show us, will show us the way if we don't listen. So that's kind of a, a bittersweet hope, but it, but, but I, I I don't think that there's, um, I choose to, you know, I choose to believe that, that there is a way out and we're, We're ingenious uh, species and that we know the answers. We just need the will and the political will to make it happen.
0: Hey, y'all, real quick before you go, post-editing Abigail here. Um, After we got done recording, Nelly and Pietro brought up some really awesome information and action steps and honestly, some direct ways you can get information about how to begin your mindfulness journey directly from some experts themselves. And so please stick around to hear this little bit. And honestly, it ends on such a good note that we couldn't cut it out. All right. Thanks. Enjoy. So kind of going back to
1: how can folks integrate mindfulness into their um, into their activism, into their daily life? Aham offers uh, courses, uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction courses. Um, I'll also let Piero kind of speak to his uh, offerings outside of Aham Education. Um, we offer on a on a regular basis, but through um, the work that we're doing at the UN, the United Nations, you know, we're an organization with consultative status to the United Nations and we're also a member of CEN and many other um, groups that are working towards climate justice and well-being. So we offer uh, in-house training to any organization or group that would like to uh, incorporate or integrate these practices both into their kind of staff policy and well-being but also into their strategy for the work that they're doing on the front lines Um, and then We are also building awareness through a film called Healing People Heal the Planet. This is a a film about the story of Aham's work that was funded through the Film in the Field project a collaboration by Sen and Exposure Labs. So we're really excited to announce um, that the by the time you all are listening to this, that the film is, will be launched um, during Climate Week and you will have the opportunity to see the film through uh, various opportunities that we'll, we'll provide. Um, lastly, I'll say that I was really, I am really honored to have worked very closely with Piero in creating the B Nature Program. So we spell it B dot Nature Program, and the B Nature Program really encap really uh, captures what we've been talking about: bringing mindfulness to activists and bringing activism, ecoactivism to mindfulness. And so the idea is through building eco-awareness, we cultivate eco-affinity, and through that eco-affinity, we engage in eco-action. And so I I hope that many of you listening will have the opportunity to either do one of our activist training or participate in the Be Nature retreats that we offer year-round. so I'll hand it over to Piero to share any offerings that are coming up that you might want to talk about.
2: So I want to thank you now, Nellie as well, and Abigail as well for hosting. Uh, I'm very happy to be here and, uh, sending a message to the audience really for the listeners. Thank you for sticking with us, for listening to this, uh, interview, this podcast. And hopefully, this has encouraged you to try to uh, practice mindfulness meditation and to live more mindfully. Um, I know that in the resources, you will find my website. That is my first name and last name, together.com, pietrofauci.com. And you will see uh, some of the programs that I mentioned, like the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, Or the mind body skills groups, but uh, several other short workshops that you can bring, that Nelly and I can bring to your groups, to your communities. Like, for instance, an introduction to mindfulness meditation and mindful living, uh, or mindful and nonviolent communication that we think is super important for activists. Um, So these are just examples. You can also go to ahameducation.org and you will find also this website listed in the resources of the program today. If you want to know more about uh, uh, mindfulness, and this is not self-promotion, it's just that I think they are, this is a really good resource is a three book series that I have written Uh, and, uh, the first, uh, volume is called a better mind can mindfulness make us wiser. The second one is called a better life can mindfulness make us happier. And the third one is called a better world. Can mindfulness save us from ourselves? So if you are interested in what we said and you want to continue this conversation, perhaps you can, uh, check these books. But uh, more than anything else, I encourage you to, uh, to, to try mindfulness if, if this is new to you. And I want to thank you for listening and for the good work that you do. Uh, we really need many, many people on this front in order to save life on this planet. So thank you, all of you.